I don't know if I can do it twice. I said, I said you should learn how to fast forward your podcast so you can listen to it like we're going. <laughs> 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 I didn't know. I mean, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad you guys are, I'm glad you guys are so easily entertained by me. That's. I mean. <laughs> the funny sounds. <laughs> I could also talk like Donald Duck. You want me to teach the class like Donald Duck? Okay. All right, we won't do that. <laughs> Your dad can do that? Oh, we'll have to get together and talk Donald Duck. That'd be <laughs> He tries to. You remind him a lot. You remind me of. Oh no. Of an old of an old dude? <laughs> Yeah. Does he does he ha- does he uh does he have a giant protective covering over his six pack like I do? No, like I I don't work on my abs. I don't work on my abs. I work on my ab. <laughs> All right. All right. Everybody got their everybody got their stuff ready and we'll get we'll get started. We'll pray. We'll pray. You know A monogram, a monogram to think of. Don't make me spew my coffee. All right. You know what I did notice? Like when I do, when I, when I record. And then I ask y'all questions and you talk. You can't really hear no. you guys. Well, no, what that means. What that means is your parents, if they're listening, they don't realize how much y'all are goofing off. <laughs> I need to, I'm going to, I have a, yeah. I have what's called a shotgun mic and I'll hook it up and it like points out here and it picks up everything out here. Yeah, then pa- and, then, and then the parents will know that it is Bella doing all the talking. No, I'm, just, I'm joking. What did Bella do? I don't know. What'd you do? I mean, Carmen. Well, it's fun to goof off. It is, but we better we better get some work done. Let's pray. All right, let's pray. Hey, wait before we pray. Before we pray. Um, what is what is prayer? What's prayer? Remember how we talked about definitions? We talked about definitions being important. What's prayer? Communicating with God. Okay, communicating with God. Um, is it uh, is it getting like telling God what we want? It's kind of that way sometimes, though, isn't it? Here's what prayer is. Prayer prayer is depending on the will of God. Depending on the will of God, think about this. Why? Why did Jesus pray? Who? Who is Jesus? Who is he? God in the flesh. Why did he pray then? As an example to us 
of dependence upon the will of the Father. Okay? The more mature that a Christian grows in prayer, the more their prayer, their prayers and their praying will be depending and trusting in the will of their Father. It won't be, all right, uh, here's my list um, of things that I want God to do for me this week. You know, I've been praying for this uh, to come about in my life, and so I'm going to really ask God. Instead, it becomes depending upon the will of God. And oftentimes, the requests then are things that are born out of um, a walk with God, depending upon His, His Spirit um, in guiding you in your life. And so you recognize your inability, and so you come to God saying, I'm, I'm needy. Right, I'm needy. So, it's in a, in an environment like this. Let me let me ask you this: If this morning, if this morning our class, we we knew that the the Chinese have taken over America, okay, and 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 it's illegal now to have any kind of un uh, or any kind of meeting together anywhere in any place in a home in a classroom anywhere that is not sanctioned by the state, or not, that is not approved by the state. And so we knew, we knew that to meet this morning and teach church history, it's very possible that all of a sudden the door will get kicked in and people will come in and beat us up and drag some of us off to prison. Would we, uh, would we feel a greater urgency to pray? No, would we feel a greater urgency and greater need to pray than we do this morning? Okay, right? What this morning, we don't feel automatically feel a need to pray. Why? Let's just be honest. I'm, I'm trying to help you guys. Why don't we just kind of automatically feel like, oh, we? we the, the only reason that we maybe are going to pray in a situation like this is because we know it's kind of the right thing to do, spiritual thing to do. We should start with prayer, right? You know, but. Why don't, in reality, in our hearts, why don't we necessarily feel the need to pray? Because everything's good, right? Anybody not have breakfast this morning that wanted breakfast? I mean, I know some of you might not have because you didn't want it. But, I mean, did anybody, was anybody wanting breakfast and your parents said, I'm sorry, we just don't have anything? Did that happen to anybody today? No? Okay. <laughs> not old, I don't think so, Kaya. All right. So that didn't happen to anybody this morning, did it? How about, how about um, did anybody have to hitch up the horse and buggy to get here today? No. <laughs> no? I almost had to go feed it. Did anybody have to sleep on a dirt floor last night? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. On a what? Yeah. Seriously, though. Seriously, though. Here's my point, guys. All right. Hang with, hang with me. Hang with me. I've got y'all distracted. Hang with me, okay? Hang with me. All right. So here's my point. Here's my point. What I want to ask you to do is when we, when we pray, um, stop and think for a minute, really, that I am needy. Like, especially because I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Uh Jesus told his disciples, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Okay? Satan is very deceptive, and he's warring for your soul. He wants to destroy you. All right? So we need to, we need to pray, and we need to pray for real. Okay? 
So let's do that, and then we'll really get started, all right? Father, this morning, uh, I come to you especially needy, admitting my own weakness, my own sin, my own inability, my pride, and uh, Lord, just acknowledging that we think too highly of ourselves so often. We trust in these blessings that you've given us, riches that you've given us. All of us here this morning, really in a sense, even in a physical sense, are rich. And so that deceives us and blinds us to thinking that we don't need you. But we do, Lord, and we need you to rescue our hearts by the gospel of grace, the gospel of the Lord Jesus, the one who who gave himself for us. And so I pray that you would, in the heart of each of these kids, um, open their eyes to their own, their own need, uh, their own dependence upon you. And help us, Lord, this morning as we read some things from church history, some things from your word, that you would uh, be pleased to open our eyes, uh, open the eyes of our understanding, that we would know the hope of the, your calling, the riches of your glory, of your inheritance in the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. So, does anybody remember who I told you was one of my favorite characters in church history? Anybody remember? Wow, you're, you're my daughter. You're not allowed to answer. Anybody? James, James something. <laughs> James something. John Shh. Newton. All right, Karen blabbered out the answer. All right, don't answer anymore. Don't. Okay. Not Fig Newton, John Newton. Okay, all right, John Newton. What did you? What? what I told you a little bit about him. What? What? Uh, what do you remember? I told you a tiny, tiny little bit. Not much. Okay. How many people? How many people in the world are very bad men or women before they get saved? Huh? All people are right. Yeah, all people are. Now, does God restrain, hold back the evil of men? In other words, in other words, we remember remember when we went through. I think it was last week. No, it may have been the week before. Yeah, it was the first week. I think we went through the list in Romans chapter one that describes that describes all the it describes how all men are by nature. Remember that? And and it was it was a terrible picture of who we are. Okay. Okay. So if God did not restrain the evil of of man, um, would all men be out there living as evil or more evil than John Newton did? Yes, we would. We would. God restrains that. What kind of method? What kind of things does God use to restrain the evil of men's hearts? Anybody know? Think, think, because I bet you'll think of some good answers. What did you say? Hey, good. All right. Zach said the police. Yeah. What the what? Okay, the, pre the president, all right, the president is not meant to be a king. The president is meant to enforce the laws that have been made by the legislators. But that's not, sadly, how it works too much in our country anymore. But, yes, he uses, he uses uh, civil authorities. He uses the law. What else does he use? Parents. 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 Grandparents. Yeah. Think about this. Think about this. What if? Okay, have you, has anybody ever seen any kind of documentary or just read a story about, about like what you'd call street kids? You know, kids like, you know, if you go over to, 
to certain countries. I mean, the, there, there are, in Brazil, where my brother lives, there are so many street children that sometimes the certain branches of the police would go down into the, under the city where they lived and shoot them all like rats. Yeah, for real, okay? Now, if a whole bunch of kids are raising themselves, okay, five years old up to 16 years old, they're all together in a group, and they're just raising themselves. How do you, how do you think they probably turn out? Not, not too good, right? Because what kind of things might they even do? Yeah, gamble, okay. Yeah, I, I would have been my first thought, but that's true. Okay, what else might they do? Steal. How about rob, right? And, 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 and so what's happening is they have no restraint on their evil hearts, right? And they do whatever. What, remember, what, what do men do? Whatever feels good, seems good, right? Yes, yeah, sin. Good, Holden. They sin. All right. I've gotten distracted again, and I'm trying to get into John Newton, but I just wanted you to understand, you know, because Kaya rightly said that John Newton was a bad man before he got saved, but I also want you to understand that all men are, that all men are, and it's just that God in mercy does restrain the evil of our hearts, and he uses different uh, tools to do that in his mercy. Otherwise, otherwise, if God was not doing that, there would be mass chaos right now. Murder and torture and everything. There is mass chaos in many, many places. And the more God removes His hand of restraint and His hand of mercy, the more we see men turned over to their free will. And man left to his free will will always sin. Okay? All right. So now we are going to read a little bit. I wanted to read to you a little bit of John Newton's story. Okay, today. Now, if I know some of you are doing a really good job trying to make your mamas proud and take good notes, do the best you can as I read here. But um, I'm not sure how many notes you can plug pull out of this, but we'll see. All right. So here we go. And anytime, anytime I read a word that you didn't understand, raise your hand because there's no sense in reading something that you don't understand. Does that make sense? So somebody say, "Hey, uh, what does that word mean?" All right, here we go. The story of John Newton. How pleasing it is to repeat the confession of David. O Lord, I am thy servant, the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. Psalm 116, 16. And this, by the way, is the words of John Newton himself uh, writing his story, okay? God's tender mercies on my behalf were clearly seen in the first moments of my life. It was as if I was born in his house and dedicated to him in my infancy. Many people have told me that my mother was a devout and mature Christian, a member of the dissenting church. She was not physically strong and had a reserved personality. I was her only child, and almost all of her attention was given to my education. I have some faint recollections of her care and instructions. When I was about three years of age, she herself taught me to read. When I was four years old, I could read any common book with understanding. Pretty good. Four years old. She helped. Yes, sir. All right, Zach. <laughs> All right, we'll keep going. All right. She helped me store in my memory. 
She helped me store, oh, let me turn my phone off, I'm sorry. She helped me store in my memory, which was then very retentive, many valuable verses, portions, and chapters of Scripture, as well as catechisms, hymns, and poems. During my early years, I had little interest in the noisy sports of children. I was most happy in my mother's company and was always willing to learn as she was to teach. Even the best education may fall short of affecting the heart. Let that sink in. Even the best education may fall short of affecting the heart. Who can affect the heart? Oh, only. Okay. Parents can, and, and we do this, parents can work really hard at getting your outward behavior conformed to what is right. Okay. You know, parents want you to dress in a certain way. They want you to speak in a certain way. They want you to do all these certain, we don't listen to that music, we don't watch those shows, we don't do this and we don't do that. And, and, and none of that does really any good if the heart is not changed. Okay, So John Newton is recognizing that as wonderful as a mother, a mother as he had, his heart had not yet been changed by God. So he says, as my own story will demonstrate. But I think my example should be an encouragement for godly parents to continue doing their part faithfully. So should parents go, hey, we can't change our kids' hearts, so, eh, oh well, y'all just do what you feel like doing. <laughs> Is that what we ought to do? No. All right. Although in later years I send away all the advantages of my early learning, they did restrain my behavior for some time. They returned in my mind again and again and again. And it was a very long time before I could wholly shake them off. When the Lord finally opened my eyes, I found that my recollection of them was a great benefit. So here's what he means. Here's what he means. All of the teaching and stuff that his, his mother had done, uh, teaching him of God. He said, over time, as he began to live his life very wickedly, some of those things finally just kind of left his, his mind and no longer restrained him in any kind of way. But when God did open his eyes, Yes, sir. Remember. Remember. Yep. So, so, um, and so later, when God did open his eyes and rescued him from darkness to light, much of what his parent, his mother had taught him came back. Okay, so parents should continue to teach, right? All right. My dear mother, besides the care she took with me, often commended me to God with many prayers and tears. I believe God heard, right? My mother noted my early progress with great satisfaction and planned from my earliest years to prepare me for the ministry if the Lord should so incline my heart. In my sixth year, I began to learn Latin. Six years old. How many of y'all learned Latin? Good. But before I had time to learn much of the language, the intended plan of my education was interrupted. I was deprived of my mother when I was not quite seven years old. I was born July 24, 1725. She died July 11, 1732. The Lord's designs were far beyond the plans of an earthly parent. He chose to use me as an unusual proof of His patience, providence, and grace. My father was at sea. He was a commander in the Mediterranean trade at the time. He came home the following year and soon after married again. I was then given into the care of others. I was well treated, but there was no remedy for the loss of my mother's instruction. I was now permitted to mingle with negligent and irreligious children, and I soon began to imitate their conduct. Soon after my father's marriage, I was sent to a boarding school. 
The schoolmaster's ill-advised harshness almost broke my spirit and enthusiasm for books. While there, I forgot the first principles and rules of arithmetic, which my mother had taught me years before. I stayed for two years, but in the second year, a new teacher came who observed and took, account, uh, took into account my temperament. I took to Latin with great eagerness, and before I was 10 years old, I could read Latin authors such as Virgil. So by 10, he was reading books in Latin. I believe, I, yes, ma'am. Oh, somebody. No, it, it, it'll, it'll make you smart. <laughs> okay. I believe I was pushed forward too fast, however. Not being grounded, I soon lost all I had learned, and I left school in my 10th year. Years later, when I studied Latin from books, I think I had little, if any, advantage from my early learning. So he, he, he says it just kind of all got lost on him. All right. Now, listen to this. This is, this is an interesting life he had. When I was 11 years old, my father took me to sea with him. A man of great practical sense and experience in the world, he was careful to protect my morals, but he could not make up for my mother's absence. Having been educated in Spain, he always made a sense of distance and sternness in his manner that intimidated and discouraged me. I was always in fear of him, and therefore he had less of an influence upon my life. So he had kind of a, a stern father who he wanted to please, but he didn't have a, a, a relationship with his father where he could speak with him and talk with him. He just knew he should do what his father said to do. Okay, And that was the kind of relationship he had with his father. From 1736 I made several to 1742 I made several voyages, spending considerable interviews between voyages, intervals, I, I said interviews, intervals between voyages in the country. Intervals is spaces of time. So he spent considerable intervals between voyages. In other words, he would land somewhere and spend some time there in that country. And uh, so, all right, let's see, lost my play. Shortly after my 15th birthday, I was given a very promising position um, at Alicante, Spain. But my undisciplined behavior and rebelliousness ruined the opportunity. During this period, my disposition, did anybody know what disposition is? the way you act disposition or it's kind of the way you, the, the way yeah the way you act all right so um, if you meet somebody you can by their disposition make a pretty good guess on how how they're going to treat you or whatever okay so in other words if uh, if when we first had class in here and Holden would have Holden would have been sitting over there like this okay I might have went home and thought, hmm, his disposition was looking a little like, like he's a little angry. I wonder what's going on. Okay, so that's what disposition means. Okay, all right. Good question. All right, so he says his disposition and conduct were unstable. So what does that mean he was like? Just didn't know what to expect from him. He just didn't know what to expect from him. Unstable It's just... Here and there, sometimes he, sometimes maybe he was a good employee, but then all of a sudden he doesn't show up to work. And sometimes, you know, he might be nice, and then sometimes he might be mean, right? And he was an unstable man. However, I was often, this is important, I was often disturbed by my conscience. I had enjoyed reading since my childhood. Among other books, I found Bennett's Christian Oratory. That was the name of the book, Christian Oratory. Although I only understood a little of it, 
The course of life it recommended appeared very desirable. I decided to attempt it. I began to pray, to read the scriptures, and to keep a diary. Soon I felt I was religious. This seeming goodness, however, had no solid foundation and soon passed away like a morning cloud or the early dew. I was soon tired of the effort, gradually gave it up, and finally became worse than before. Instead of prayer, I learned to curse and blaspheme and was very sinful when not under my parents' supervision. Now, I'm going to pause. Here is why I, if, if anything, if we can do anything through the church history class that we're having over the next few weeks, would be that God would stir in you a desire to read and study the past, especially in relation to the work of God and salvation of His people. And so begin to do what we're doing right now, and that is to read things like biographies and autobiographies of believers, especially ones, you know, ignore, these, ignore the guys who are writing stuff now, okay? All the people that are writing now in the Christian bookstores and stuff, it's, it's mostly trash. Just ignore it all, okay? Right now, what you've got is people just wanting to tell you how great they are and that you should follow them and put money in their offering plates, okay? What I want you guys to be interested in is people from way back who lived out a faithful life through the work of God in their lives, and, and they died, and then people wrote about them. Does that make sense? Okay? And so, but here's why history is so, so, so important. We can learn. Look, to, to not be interested in history to some degree, whether it's just listening to your parents tell you stuff that they've learned. That's kind of, that's history, okay? Um, whether it be um, listening to a pastor who's faithfully handling God's Word and teaching you what God has done. Um, whether it's reading a book like this or some other thing, to not be interested whatsoever, I'm going to say something that is a little bit hard, but I want you to hear me. It reveals that we have pride in our lives. You know why? It, it means that we think that our own imaginations, our own ideas, our own uh, desires are good enough. And I, I, I don't need to read about the past and what God has done in the past and what God has said in the past and what men have, have learned in the past, I, I, uh, I, I think I've got things figured out. Okay, so what John Newton is warning here about is that the last paragraph I just read could be a great help and warning to you if you will go, you know what? He said that it was his conscience that was bothering him. And so in response to that, he made an effort to change and become religious. But none of that did him any good. None of that, everybody okay over there? Somebody almost tipped over. It's all good. We can laugh for a minute. <laughs> Is that what happened? Huh? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. It's all good. It's all good. I'm fine with that. That would make anybody laugh. I'm good with that. You feel better you're not laughing at me. No, I'm just kidding. All right. All right. So, seriously, though, what's that? <laughs> right, right. Take her out. So, let's keep going. What else happened? 
<laughs> Everybody's picking on Bella. Everybody's picking on Bella. All right. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, because she's all sore and stuff. Right. 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 Well, that sounds. We should do that sometime as a class. That'd be fun. What? Hit Bella. Huh? No, no. <laughs> not hit Bella. Not hit Bella. All right. All right. So let's pick up. Okay. Let's pick up. Yep. Yep, we'll go right back to that. He was born July 24th, 1725. 1725. How long ago? Somebody do the math real quick. I guess. I didn't math. No. I already done my math. In four years, that'd be 300 years ago. Hey. Is that what you're about to do? I beat Kaya to it. Oh, yeah. 1725. 1725. July 24th, 1725. When did his mother die? Be on the quiz next week. What's that? When did his mother die? His mother died when he was seven, and that would have been July 11th, 1732. 1732. All right. All right, so here we go. So eventually he got tired of his, his religious effort. In other words, what had not been changed? His heart. His heart had not been changed, okay? So... I soon was tired of the effort, gave it up, and became worse than before. Instead of prayer, I learned to curse and blaspheme and was very sinful when not under my father's supervision. Before I was 12, I had a dangerous fall from a horse. I was thrown unhurt within a few inches of a newly trimmed hedgerow. I could not avoid... It, it's, a, it's a row of... Um, Really stout bushes, yes, hedges, yes, and and newly trimmed. In other words, the branches were would have been really thick and stout, and he was tossed. And if he would have landed on them, would, it probably would have killed him. Is what he was saying. Yep. Yep. Sharp and, and stiff. Yep. Yep. So, I could not avoid recognizing, kind of like kind of like Bella's story last week. I could not avoid recognizing God's gracious providence in my deliverance. Had I fallen upon the stakes, I would have likely been killed. Had I fallen upon the stakes, I would have likely been killed. In other words, had Bella been riding in the back seat last week, she would have likely been killed. All right. My conscience reminded me of the dreadful consequences I had been summoned or had I been summoned to appear before God in my godless condition. So in other words, his conscience, when he thought about the fact that he would have been killed, he also thought about if he would have been killed, that he would have, been, he would have stood before his creator, a holy God, and he knew his godless condition. So what do you think he did? Man does what he thinks is the right way. What did Adam and Eve do? In the garden, when they began to fear the death that God had promised and they disobeyed, they did what? They covered themselves. They tried to hide. So what do you think John Newton is about to do? Yes, cover. So, so now he's starting to... Okay, right. He's going to... Here's what he says. Here's how he describes it. I broke off my sinful practices and appeared 
quite altered. All of a sudden, he made a big outward change. Was altered. Altered, changed. Yep. So appeared quite altered, but it was not long before I succumbed to them again. That means gave in again to the sin. And every relapse, every relapse, that means every time I went back into sin, sank me into still greater depths of wickedness. Once I was moved by the death of a close companion. All of a sudden one day he had a friend who died. We had agreed to go on board a warship. I think it was on a Sunday, but I providentially arrived late. So the friend left without him on the warship. The boat overturned. My friend and several others drowned. At my friend's funeral, I was overwhelmed by the thought that due to a delay of just a few minutes, which had angered me, he had been angry as he was standing there watching the boat pull out. My life had been preserved. However, however, this also was soon forgotten. Okay, here's, here's what I want you to think about. How many times in your life through maybe conscience, um, maybe uh, uh, a parent speaking to you about something in your life, maybe through preaching that was good, your conscience was stirred, your heart was moved, and you feared God. But pretty soon, you're like, meh, and you're back to your old ways. This was his story at this time. Another time, my reading of a book called The Family Instructor started me on a partial and brief reformation. What's the word reformation mean? Yeah, like trying to change, re, re, to reform. Like if uh, in the old days, if you're uh, having trouble behaving at home, your parents might send you to a reform school. They're going to try to fix you. Okay? They're going to try to reform you. That's your parent, your parent, your mom, Belly, your mom. Belly, your mom said that this is this class is supposed to be reform school for you. No, I'm just kidding. All right. All right. Another time, so here we go, here we go. Going to get to some important stuff here. Another time, my reading of the family instructor started me on a partial and brief reformation. Although I cannot distinctly recall the specifics, I think I took up and laid aside a religious profession three or four different times before I was 16 years old. During all of this time, my heart was insincere. So in other words, he made several efforts before he was 16 to change. But none of it was his heart having been changed by God. I understood the necessity of religion as a means of escaping hell, but I loved sin and was unwilling to forsake it. There were frequent instances of this stubbornness, and I was strangely blind and stupid. Sometimes when I determined to do things that I knew were sinful and contrary to my moral duty, I could not continue untroubled until I first performed my routine of prayer. I begrudged every moment of such time, but when it was finished, my conscience was in, such, in some measure pacified, and I could rush into foolishness with little remorse. So, you understand what he's saying? He said he was so foolish that he, would, he, he decided he was going to sin, but he also prayed before he sinned. Okay? What? So he was, he was, he, he, he was trying, listen, here's, here's the point, okay? Most people think that God has like these, these 
grand scales. And your, your good works kind of get piled on the scale on this side, and, and, then, and then you're looking pretty good with God, and then all of a sudden you start sinning a little bit, and oh, no, oh, no, yeah, oh, man, oh, he's looking bad. You better do some good stuff and weigh it back out, right? Okay, that's kind of how he looked at sin, and that's uh, how humans often look at sin, as if God does not, uh, as, as if God turns a blind eye to any sin in our life, okay? My last effort at reform was the most remarkable in its thoroughness and continuance. In other words, he says, I really made a one last go at it, okay? I might describe this period with the Apostle Paul's words. Here's what the Bible says. After the straightest sect of our religion, I lived the Pharisee. Okay, Paul describes in Philippians chapter 3 how good and religious he was before God saved him. So, so John Newton made an effort like that. I did everything that might be expected from a person entirely ignorant of God's righteousness who works to build his own self-righteousness. I spent the majority of every day in the reading of Scripture, in meditation, and in prayer. Listen to that. The majority of every day. So what's a majority of every day? What's like your day? All right. What time do you, do you go to bed? What time do you get up? You're up for about 16 hours roughly. Okay. So maybe imagine. So yeah. So imagine spending, let's say, let's say a majority of every day. So let's say that he spent about 12 hours a day, spent about 12 hours a day reading the Bible, fasting, not eating, and praying. Man, sounds like a pretty good guy, huh? And that's what he was doing. I abstained from, listen to this, I abstained from all meat for three months. I would hardly answer a question for fear of speaking a wrong word. He didn't want to, he was, he was making such an effort to change that he just didn't even want to say, he didn't want to curse like he used to. He didn't want to blaspheme like he used to. He was really trying to change. I seemed to regret my former misconduct very earnestly, sometimes with tears. I became ascetic and attempted, so far as my position would permit, to give up all social contacts that I might avoid a temptation. So he stopped hanging around with people. He didn't want to be tempted. He didn't want to be tempted anywhere. I continued in this serious mood. I cannot give it a higher title. Remember, it's fig leaves, right? Remember that story always. It's fig leaves. For more than two years without relaxing any of my efforts, it was a poor religion that left me in many respects under the power of sin. So he's saying, he's saying this religion that I, he, he had made for himself to save himself was a, uh, or it left him under the power of sin. It tended to make me depressed, apathetic, unsociable, and useless. Such was my frame of mind when I became acquainted with Lord Shaftesbury's Characteristics. That's another book that he ran into. Okay? The title attracted me, and I enjoyed the writing, especially the second piece entitled A Rhapsody. Nothing could be more suited to my romantic mind than this pompous discourse. I thought that the author was a most religious person and that I only had to follow him to be happy. Thus, with fine words and fair speeches, my simple heart was beguiled. What does beguiled mean? Tricked. Tricked. Okay? This book tricked him. Okay? 
All right, what can we learn from history? Is there a lot of books out there for yeah. you guys to read? Yeah. Is there a lot of books with religious titles? Yeah. Oh, yeah, lots, yeah. lots. And, 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 uh, and many or even most of them would do exactly in your heart what this book was doing in his heart, tricking him into being satisfied with his newest fig leaves to cover up his shame. Okay? Um, no immediate effect followed, but it operated like a slow poison and prepared the way for all that came after. All right. In December, I tell you what, that's a great place to stop. That's a great place to stop because then that will let oh, me. Man. No, that will let me. <laughs> well, you go get out of the depths and you can read ahead. Okay. Um, and, and, uh, but listen, here's the thing, guys. History. History is important. The history of people that have gone before us. John Newton here is, is offering a very serious warning. What can you be warned about from his writing that we've already read today? What can you, and that's, this is how we'll end. Who wants to, what can we be warned about from his writing? Anybody? Anybody? What can, be, what, what can we be warned about so far from this history of John Newton? Okay, be, sure. Be, 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 cautious, be cautious of the books that you pick out. All right, that's kind of one thing. Because why? Because some things can What might they be teaching? They could just say, like, look at me or whatever. Well, what is the great danger here? What, what overall, what overall, remember the garden. I'm, I'm going to say this to you all a lot. Remember the garden. Remember the garden. The garden of what? Eden. Eden. Remember what happened. Remember what Adam and Eve did when they realized that they were at enmity with God, that they were separated from God now. What did they try to do about it? Save themselves. Save themselves. Save themselves. They tried to cover up. So the big warning here that's going on, and you're going to read more and more of it with me, is, is self-righteousness. 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 You ever heard that used as, okay, I'm going to teach you another big word. Anybody know what the word pejorative is? No. Okay. Like an, like an insult. Okay. An insult. All right. So have you ever heard this used as a pejorative and as an insult to say, he's so self-righteous. She's so self-righteous. Anybody ever heard somebody say that about somebody? Huh? Oh, well, then I might not make the application that I was going to make. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the, the, the danger sometimes we can notice, we can notice that other people are self-righteous. And as we are noticing that, we're not seeing our own self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is displayed and lived out in so many ways. For some, it is, it is I'm going to memorize all my wanna verses and get all the awards. And, and my parents will be proud. Everybody will be proud. And it's just self-righteous fig leaves. Others, it's I'm going to conform to everything that my parents, uh, my parents think. Remember how I told you guys the story of how I did at my grandmother's when I was a boy, right? Which she had all the fudge and chocolate out, and, and on the outside I pretended like I wasn't interested. Oh, I told the big kids that. Okay, I think I've got one minute to tell you that story. 
No, you, I'll tell you what. You, I'll, I'll wait. You have to remind me to tell you that story. Remind me to tell you that story. Okay. Oh, she's got to go to the bathroom. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time uh, together in Jesus' name. Amen. How about, was that short enough? Bye, bye Charlie.